Amen and amen. Just before we transition, just this weekend, we were having some special meetings. If you were, were there, you would have heard this, but if not, just on um, Friday night, we had a short time of prayer. And uh, a lady who, for I think a couple of years, has had double vision and blurriness. That night, she noticed that there was no more double vision and the blurriness was gone. We thank Jesus. We're thankful to Jesus. Amen. Uh, we're going to do something a little different. And while our candidates come, I invite you to sit down. I just want to explain something. We're going to do something that we, have, we, we did this weekend, but we're going to do it here because it's an important part of who we are. There's a scripture in the Bible. It's Acts chapter 13 where there was a prayer meeting, a time of worship and prayer in a local church. And suddenly a prophetic word came out. There was pastor, or prophets and teachers. We believe in our, in our church. Other churches can believe different things, but we believe that God's given us great gifts in apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists. We're so grateful for them. But as they sat in that meeting in Acts chapter 13, there was a... says the, the Holy Spirit said, separate for me, these two people separate me for me to the work that I've called them. A prophetic word came out. And it says after some fasting and more praying, they sent them out. In other words, their life was going one direction and God spoke. We still believe that God speaks today. Somebody does in this room. God still speaks today. That's your chance. That was your chance, Pastor Help. Amen. God still speaks today that God confirms things, that God can redirect our lives, that God can, can, can impart things in a moment and do stuff like that, all within the boundaries of his word and all that kind of stuff. So if you have questions, then just hit, uh, stick around for a while and we'll answer all those questions. Not today. But what we're going to do right now is we have some visiting prophets who've been ministering all weekend and just so grateful for what, how, how many of you that were there would say that was, that's been good. All right. You can do better than that. Come on. Jesus is why we do this. Some of y'all acting so Canadian today. Some of you have come from other places in the world where you can teach us a few things about getting a little stirred up about some things, right? Is there any African people here? Come on. What about any Korean people? The Koreans, are they here today? No, they're here. They're quietly praying over there. They're making sure it all rolls. <laughs> well, I just want to invite our ministry to come. Daniel, can you lead them through the, the, the dark valley to get to the stairs in the back? So what we're going to do is we're just waiting on God, and then we're believing that God's going to speak. Uh, and this is Pastor Mike and Cherith, and uh, we'll see what happens, all right? Is everybody good? If you're visiting, you're like, what is this? We'll explain it later, but right now, just roll with it. It's all good. All right. Come on, would you just 
Lift your voice and sing this with him one more time. the two of you even came up tonight. The Lord said, the two of you, and I saw a beam of his glory falling on the top of both of your heads. And he said, you're a standard and a plumb line in this church. You hold a standard and a plumb line of the word of God, of the heart of God, and a standard that God is calling others to in this place. That as you go from glory to glory, as this place does, as the move of his spirit does, God is saying, I'm going to continue to give you a move from glory to glory. Because you are like overseers, your watchmen, protectors of the truth and of the spirit of God. You want the true thing, not anything artificial, nothing tainted, nothing defiled, nothing in any way, shape, or form. The Lord has seen a faithfulness, but a, but a sturdiness and a strength for the real things of God through many different seasons and for many things that have gone up and down. But that's why you're the plumb line, because you haven't, you haven't varied either way from either place. And the Lord is saying that he is depositing another measure of faith, but also he is taking you to another depth of his glory. And I just see from heaven an impartation of his glory in the name of Jesus for both of you to where it is that he wants to take you. He says, I'm going to lift you up higher than where you've been before because I'm going to give you a perspective that is over the house of the Lord because I need you to see what I'm doing in a bigger scope. Because as my river comes into this house, my river is going out of this house. But the whole point of it going out, it's not only going out because it's coming back in. And in that very river that is birthed in your prayers and the word of God and the faithfulness of the saints, it is going to bring the harvest back in in the very flow that goes out from this place. And the Lord is saying, well done, good and faithful servants. Because too many wells have been abandoned because of the endurance that it takes to dig the wells of the living God. But you have been faithful. You haven't given up and you haven't given in. And because of that, he is going to reward the two of you in this place. And he's going to give you a deeper level of understanding of what's ahead. That you won't have to fear it or question it or even think, what is this? But he's going to show you and him, you're going to walk together in unison in that plumb line of the very word of God. And blessings of him are upon both of you in Jesus' name. For even as this last song has been played, 
that is your testimony. God has been faithful. He's been faithful time and time again. He's proven himself. And the Lord looks at you and he calls you faithful. Can you imagine this exchange between heaven and earth where you say, God, you're faithful. And he looks at the two of you and says, you are faithful. And even in this next season, Even in this next season, I just see that God's going to do some miracles. There's some things that you've laid out before the Lord that you've been praying for. Um, and uh, they're, very, they're just very clear things that you've talked about and you've been praying for. And I just see that God's going to begin to answer those prayers one by one by one. And you're going to see miracles take place in family. You're going to see miracles take place in relationships. You're going to see reconciliations take place. God's going to do some amazing things in this next season. For I just see the two of you when you sat down here, and I actually saw you, I think it was last night, I saw, I hope we're, I hope we're ministering over them. I didn't know it was going to be you two here this morning, but I just seen that you are a bridge between eras. And, uh, and even I saw you last night, it was like, you know, you look at the prophet Samuel and you realize he was the bridge between the era of the judges and the era of the kings and prophets. And he was able to cross over eras and function in both dimensions. And even as God even begins to move this house into a new era, you are a key vital part of what God is going to do. And you're going to be a bridge for so many people in this place. There is, of course, the leadership anointing that's upon you to, 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 to really to have the backs of the pastors in this house. To, to, to almost be like in the spirit, armor bearers, but in a leadership position. And to, it's like you are protectors, and it's like, you know what? No enemy, no thief is going to come into this house. It's like you're just, you're just not going to allow that. And God's given you that. Not just that gifting and passion, but he's giving you that authority in the spirit to, to, to speak to, to certain things and say, you know what, this will not come into this house. Because this house, there's a pure stream and there's a real desire for a pure stream of the presence of God. A woman of God, there's a real gift of revelation that God has given you. And I just hear you teaching the word of the Lord. And te as you teach it, it's like it just goes right into people's hearts and it becomes a part of who they are. And uh, when you, when you, you, you know, you just, you've loved the word your entire life. And, uh, and as you declare the word, it's like as if God is going to restore years in people's lives. You know, what the enemy, what the canker worm, what, you know, palmer worm, all the scripture, what the enemy has tried to steal in people, literally years in people's lives, God is going to use you with the word of God to restore the years that of things where the enemy has tried to bring people down and destroy their lives. Oh, man of God, I mean, you know, in David's, in David's, in David's tabernacle, there was a chief musician. And I looked at you in last night, and I was like, this is the chief servant of the house. If there's anybody in the house that models servanthood, it is this man of God. Jesus said, the greatest in the kingdom is the servant of all. And you, you, you model that, and I just see that you're going to just even, even just, people are going to catch on. <laughs> That's been your desire. Catch on. I mean, whatever needs to get done, this man of God gets it done. Catch on. I'm, I'm going to speak to the house now. Catch on. And I'm not saying that anyone's not doing anything, but take it to another level. Take your servanthood to another level. Like this man of God. He is a model, and they both are models of servanthood in this house. And not only that, but also, and I'll just, and I'll end with this, because I don't want to, you got to go, is also you're part of the strategy 
of what God is doing in this house. I mean strategists, literally strategists, meeting with the leadership and speaking into the future and seeing what God is doing and, 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 and building in this area and that area and helping establish leaders and build up leaders in the house of God. Wow. I, uh, I just want to bear witness to so much of what has been said, but I, I want to tell you that you are people of influence in this church. You are people of influence, no doubt. I, I don't believe that you'd be here on a Sunday morning in this role if you weren't. So on some level, that would just be natural knowledge, even though I don't know you. However, you can have position and not have influence. You can have position and not have influence. How we gain influence is through a heart of service, and longevity of commitment mixed with a certain gift mix that God just kind of puts on a couple and they respond with character and integrity. And over time, the Lord gives you real influence in people's lives. I, I just felt to ask this question, how many have been influenced by this couple? Would you just lift your hand? Look at that. Look at that. Look at that. But here's the deal. I think there's people all over the world that would lift their hands in response to that. I, 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 I had this thought about Solomon. Solomon wrote Ecclesiastes at the end of his life. And uh, as he was at the end of his life looking back, he made just countless statements about what he had learned along the way. And if you read Ecclesiastes, you'll actually see the gospel in it. You'll see just the, the power of God working in lives. You'll see how to approach a funeral service. I mean, you'll see all kinds of things in this. And that is, that is what happens when you go through the ups and downs of life and the ups and downs of leadership and the ups and downs of positions and you glean and gain wisdom along the way, is you become a person who's able to tell a story and write a book and, and establish truths that actually live far beyond you. And I want to tell you that your influence is going to live far beyond you. You guys are people who have legacy. You guys are people who have uh, history and heritage. And you have people not only, or you have uh, this ability to take what God has done in your life and now distribute it to the body. And I want to tell you, your influence is like salt and it's like light. It is permeating. It is advancing. It is actually preserving and it is sustaining. For there is a capacity in you, O oh man of God, to take salt and just throw it out over the body, to, to, to throw it out with words of wisdom, to throw it out with counsel, to throw it out even at times with rebuke and challenge. I see you pulling young men and young married couples together and just saying, you know, I, I don't think I'd go that way. I see words of wisdom coming out of you that actually bring preservation and adjustment to people's lives because you are people of wisdom. You are people of stature. You are people of influence. And it is time to use it like never before. I want to tell you that where this church is going is in need not only of your gift and your grace, but people to come around this couple and say, teach me, show me how to go to a higher level. I see you actually standing in your kitchen uh, at, at certain times in your history of leadership and saying, how do we really feel about what's going on? And actually wisdom overriding even emotion in that moment. And actually character and truth overriding how you felt in that moment. And you know what it means to actually live by character and to live by principle and to live by integrity in the word. And you chose commitment. You chose loyalty. You chose faithfulness. When you actually, you actually had the right to walk away. 
And you had the right to say, you know what, we don't want to bear up under this pressure anymore. But this is what the Lord does today, is He comes and He commends your character. He comes and He commends your faithfulness. And I believe the Lord is going to unleash a dimension of favor upon you. And I heard the Lord say while I was standing back here, your greatest days are in front of you. Your greatest days of influence, your greatest days of fruitfulness, your greatest days of ministry. There's a new authority in the Word that's coming to you, even as Patrick mentioned. I believe there's a new authority in the Word. There's a new authority in council. There's a new authority in establishment of the next layers of vision of this church. For I will take you, says the Lord, even into higher, wider, and deeper dimensions as a body. I will take you deeper in worship, says the Lord. I will take you deeper in understanding of the prophetic and of prayer and of intercession. I will take you out to nations, says the Lord. I will take you into new buildings and facilities. I will take you into properties in other locations that would cause the the, the leadership of this church to need to multiply themselves and advance themselves. For I see even a scattering of the seed of this house and an enlargement of the capacity of this house to not only reach what is in this location, but in other locations. For I will do a new thing in this hour, says the Lord. I will accomplish great and mighty things through you. And it's going to begin as leaders rise to the challenge and say, Lord, use us for your purpose. We'll move with character first integrity, and all of the truths, Lord, that you put in us, we will move and we will advance. And I'll tell you, I just see, similar to, to Patrick, I, I see a real touch of God upon your family. There's a real uh, work that you've seen God do uh, in times gone by. And there's some, some triumphs. There's some things that you look at and you're so grateful. In fact, even in the next generation, you have deep gratitude for what God is doing. But I see a deeper and a wider move. There are some things yet to be done. There are some things yet on a list. And you're praying specifically, oh God, turn their heart to you. Oh God, let them respond. And I see the Lord coming in this season and moving powerfully upon your family. And we, we thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, before we pray for them, we've been, we've been having some conversations over the last few days, the last few weeks. God, what's our next season look like? What's, and, and just so you know, all that they're talking about, we've been talking about, right? So there, we got some answers. That's a whole lot easier than my counsel and better. All right, my wife's going to pray over them, and I would invite you to stretch your hand out towards them. We just honor you. We're grateful for you. We're so thankful that you're here with us in this season. We're, uh, we just look to you. I know many people look to you with, with not just uh, kind affection, but real love. Real love. Well done. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you that we can only do what we do because of people like men and, men and women like Cherith and Mike that stand behind us and blow wind in our sails and support us. And Father, I thank you that their best days are yet to come. Father, we affirm the word that you have spoken over them. Lord, I thank you that your hand of protection is upon them. And Lord, not one promise will be left unfulfilled. That in this day and in this time, they will walk into the fulfillment of everything you have spoken over them. They will walk with a boldness. They will walk with a courage. That you will lift the hands that hang down. That the encouragement of the Holy Spirit will come upon them. And that they would boldly step into all that you have for them. We thank you for them. We bless them. We honor them in Jesus name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord.
God, we commit to look to you, Jesus. He promises my confidence is your faithfulness and I will rest. Thank you, God. In your promises my confidence is your faithfulness. Jesus, we ask that, God, you would help us where we lack the ability to rest. God, where we would be tempted to focus on things lesser than you for our confidence. God, I pray you'd remind us of this moment, Lord, even this week as we go out, when we're tempted to go back to other wells or other confidences. God, you're just so gracious to remind us that you want to be our confidence. God, that you want to be our rest. So God, I just pray for anyone who's maybe struggling with that right now. God, you're grateful and you're you're gracious to to do that. We're grateful for that. We love you and we look to you for all of our needs. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, in a sec, we kind of do this on a Sunday, but with a different spirit, can we, in a moment, We're just going to give a hand clap of praise. And what I don't want is just the golf clap transitional into something else. But the Bible actually talks about times where we sometimes to give a shout, sometimes to give a clap. But it's actually a continuation of this part of worship where we just applaud and thank God, not only for what he's done, but it's a stance of faith and a declaration to say, God, in my life, in my marriage, in my situation. So can we just give God a hand clap of praise? Come on. Yes, Lord. Oh, we thank you, God. Oh, we thank you, God. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, would you do it again in our lives, God? Come on. Yeah. Oh, we thank you, God. Come on. family you may be seated I I know I know sometimes it's almost like Christian ketesthetics like we're up and down and what's going on but uh, again as we've been preaching this year there's certain things that God will activate in our body that he desires to do in the spiritual realm so thank you family for joining with worship and hey if you're new today uh, this is a, a bit of a different service but man how awesome is it that we get an opportunity to break away from the regular sometimes and just have some fun and and look at what God would do. And so if you are new today, uh, my name's Daniel, and I would love to get to know you. Actually, after church, we have a thing called Grow Track, and we got lunch for you, and we would love to get to know you, get to know us a little bit more, and we can look at what maybe your next step is to discovering your purpose. We believe that every person here Uh, You're not just existing, that God's got a purpose for you. And we're really passionate about helping you discover that and start walking in that because we believe that there's just more in Jesus for you. Whether you believe in him or not, uh, he believes in you and he's doing more in your life right now than maybe you're aware of. So I'd love to invite you there. But family, can we just give a hand to our guests this morning? Thank them for being here. Come on. And we're going to move into our, our time of generosity so our ushers can get ready with the buckets and head up. But um, a little bit different than normal. I just want to say thank you. Man, this is an awesome opportunity. On Sunday, we just kind of get this a little picture of 
how generous this church is. Like you, you'll see the people at the door greeting and welcoming you and you see the worship team just crushing it with their gifts and, and making it about Jesus. And unfortunately, you have to listen to my voice for about 10 to 15 minutes normally at this part. And, and we're so grateful for our pastors and our speakers and, and people that just give their time and their talents. But what I love about this church is the majority of what people give, you'd never see. Right now there's parents and college students and youth serving in the children's ministry and, 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 and praying and interceding and there's just things happening that you don't get to see but it's because of a heart that's generous. Say, God, I, I just want to serve your house. I, I just want to use what you've given me and I want to give back into that. And, and throughout the rest of the week, I know there's so much going on and people, different small groups happening and the pillars and just there's so much that happens in here and maybe... Maybe you're, you're yet to find a place where you can serve, but on Sundays when the bucket passed, there's your opportunity to give. There's no fanfare. There's no one blowing a trumpet, but you just faithfully say, you know what? I'm going to give. The college student that's making eight bucks an hour can barely make it. Say, you know what? I'm going to put God first in, in my tithe. And so for all of that family, can I just say thank you? Thank you for being a church that gives. Thank you for being a church that trusts God in this area with your time and your talents and your treasures. And as the ushers come forward, I'm going to pray for another opportunity for us to be generous, to be faithful in what God's called us to. So God, we thank you uh, for the call that you put on this house and, and for those who attend here, Lord God, that means on us as well. And God, I pray that you just continue to give us the grace to give, the grace to respond in generosity to the incredible generosity that you showed us with your son Jesus on the cross. God, I pray you bless us as we give in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, as the bucket's passed, you can feel free to give. And on the screen, uh, we have multiple ways to give. If you're super tech savvy, uh, we got text to give, or you can give online. Uh, we have a kiosk in the, in the back, or you feel free to give in the buckets as well. Um, and at this point, we don't have much announcements, but I just want to, again, if you're maybe new, kind of wondering a bit, what was this that happened? We've been talking again about a prophetic assembly, and we had an unbelievable, it seems like a week, but it was only a day and a half, uh, an unbelievable time at prophetic assembly. And uh, if you're one of those people, like, oh, what is this? Uh, one part, you missed out, sorry. Uh, but the other part, this is part of our church, and so keep your ears open for the next time it happens. We'd love to have you a part of that and just to, to partake in that. It's an awesome time. And as I invite Pastor Craig up, I just want to give you guys just one of those save-the-date notes. Easter's coming. Some of you are like, my goodness, I just got out of, out of Christmas, April 1st this year, Easter. So as we continue in our series that we've been on, uh, I want to encourage you just to be praying. God, who's my plus one? Who's someone you put in my life that you're asking me to use that influence uh, to maybe bring him a little bit closer to Jesus. So why don't we give a hand to Pastor Craig as he comes. Hey. Well, good morning. I'm not going to take a long time other than Daniel covered all that. That was incredible. Uh, just this morning, we have a, a guest speaker as well as we had. I, I don't know if you noticed the, the, the one, the guy with the good hair, Patrick. I'm jealous of his hair. Like, this, it's amazing hair. But beyond that incredible gift, you know, his grandmother started this church in 1955, 55, at a time when uh, women were supposed to be cooking and doing stuff like that. She's starting a church, 1955, and, and that's something that we really value. We're so absolutely grateful. We get to walk in what somebody said, I'm going to start something. 
and just I'm going to get it going. That's, that's often the hardest time is to get it going. And so we're grateful. We, we have this amazing campus, school, college, all kinds of stuff. But it started with a dream in someone's heart. And so thank you, Patrick. Thank you, your family. Thank you, your parents labored here. Thank you for investing for our city, for a nation. And far beyond just families, we're grateful for families being touched. But God has called this house to be a church from the very beginning that has a global impact, an impact in our nation and beyond. And so, ready or not, get your passport. Be ready. Okay, right now, we are not going to be done at noon. Just take a breath. You're going to be okay. If your roast is going to burn, just leave and go. Let it burn. It'll, bur- it'll be fine. If it's going to burn down your house, you should go. But seriously, though, if you have to go, just get up and go at noon. No problem at all. We're not going to stop the service and point you out or anything like that. We do have cameras, but no, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. But just go if you need to go for whatever reason. No condemnation. No worry about it at all. Because if we go a little past, we, I just want to give Daryl freedom this morning to minister without worrying about the clock. Uh, we're going to slip into another zone here. But Daryl Corbin is uh, on the executive team, the lead team of City Bible Church. We've had a connection with that church for literally for decades. And God's kind of renewing and re- rekindling that. One of the great things is, is that we were able to steal Daniel and Katie off of his staff. We poached them. Uh, yeah, he told me today, or yesterday, after three days of working together, he forgives me. But it's only five years or whatever it is, three years. But I knew Daniel first. So Katie's just, well, Katie's the reason for the deal, let's be honest. It's just, okay. <laughs> Can I just ask you to give a warm, warm welcome to Pastor Daryl Corbin from City Bible Church. Awesome. Well, what an honor to be here today. And it's true, Pastor Craig, I do forgive you. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Man, what an honor to be here. And uh, it is, it's true, I've, I've uh, had the privilege of working with Daniel and Katie. I've known Katie for a very, very long time. Her uh, mom and dad are elders in our church and um, teachers in our Bible college and I was able to sit under their teaching as a student uh, down at Portland Bible College for a number of years, and um, what a great family line Katie comes from, and what a great gift to the body of Christ, and I just encourage you to treasure Katie, because uh, she is a true gift to this church, and Katie, we love you, and uh, I'm so excited that you're here. I believe you're here, and I shared this with you the other day, really by the design of the Lord. And uh, I was mad at Daniel in the beginning for taking you both away, but uh, no, I actually wasn't. I really did believe it was the will of the Lord. Daniel was our young adults pastor. Daniel and Katie worked together and served on our staff, administrated our conference, and just did an amazing job in their years of service there. How many are thankful for Daniel and Katie and the gift that they are to your church? And uh, Craig and Shanda, I have to say how much I appreciate the opportunity to be here and uh, not only share the word, but really to minister in what truly has been a redigging of the Wells weekend. Um, Violet Kitely, Patrick's grandmother, 
uh, laid hands on me in 1996 as we were getting ready to plant our church and prayed that God would um, give me an unction to preach and to travel and to speak in churches. And it's even an honor to stand here today uh, in, in a place that she founded and established. And I just honor the two of you for going back and watering roots and digging wells and saying, man, we want, the, we want a touch from God in our nation. And we want God to do something in our church and our generation. And uh, I love the fact that you're redigging old wells, but it, it doesn't look like the old well. You're actually putting a new face on it. And you're saying, man, what is God and how does God want to speak about this well in, in this generation? And uh, it's one of the great marks, I believe, that's on this church is God is going to take you beyond where you are. It's one of the things I want to talk about today. God wants to take you beyond where you are. Uh, and, and when he takes you beyond, he, he always keeps you attached to where you've come from. Uh, there's a, there's a, a root system when truth is there. Now, when there's lies there, he severs those things. But when there's truth there, he keeps you attached to those old truths and those, those wells that were dug in the beginning. And, uh, but then he establishes kind of a new take on them. And he moves us in with new wine and a new wine skin, and he refreshes the old. And so I just want to honor you, Craig and Shanda, for what you're doing to really move uh, this great church into a new horizon, into a new horizon. I believe, and I said it the other night prophetically, that I do believe that your church has been named by the Lord, not just man's idea, but you are going to go into new horizons in the Lord. And what a great weekend to be able to be here. Such great words spoken over individuals and, and over the church. And I just say, buckle your seatbelts because God's revealed himself to you, and he's been showing you what he has in mind, and it is good. It is good. I also just want to mention, I've been able to work with two amazing people this week. Uh, Patrick Kitely is, has already been mentioned. Patrick and I have been friends since 1992. I know I don't look that old, and he certainly doesn't look that old, but the reality is we went to Bible college together in 1992, became friends, and have remained friends all of these years. And Patrick, it's just an honor to be with you. Uh, I appreciate that. And I met Lorna for the first time the other night, and she's been such a gift to this team. Uh, her giftedness and her usage of that gift has just been phenomenal. And so would you give these two a big hand and tell them, Thank you. Before we get into the Word, which I want to go to Ephesians chapter 3, but um, which you can take your Bibles and, and kind of get ready to go there. But I want to just say that uh, I don't stand here alone. I, I stand here with my family. They're not here with me today. But uh, I, I give... Um, God, all of the glory for the beautiful wife that I was able to marry 21 years ago. Her name is Michael, and uh, I married up, and I am so thankful for her. This is my wife, Michael, and uh, I am grateful that somehow God blinded her eyes, and she accepted my proposal over 20 years ago, and, um, and uh, she has been a great wife, and we planted a church in 1997 after being married one year. And we pastored that church for 16 years, and then we returned to our sending church, which is now where I serve on the executive team, and uh, she's gone with me on the journey. We have three great kids, and um, our kids are right there, and that picture tells you a lot about my three kids right there. Uh, that is, my daughter in the middle is 18. Her name is Mariah. This was actually last winter, and so it's a little bit of an older picture, but um, she is a ham, and actually she's, she's laughing in response to something that her brothers did. And let's just say what they did was a bodily function. And so I'm sorry to say, but anyway, she's laughing in response to that. My son Judah on, the, on, on my right here, 
um, is uh, 17 years old. He likes to play lacrosse and football, and uh, he loves people with all of his heart. My son Noah on the left is six foot two. He's taller than I am, and uh, at 14 he was six two. He loves to play basketball and football, and he's a machine. So I am just grateful for my kids and uh, for my wife. Amen. Would you give them a big hand, even though they're not here today? That would be awesome. How many know firsts are a big deal? Firsts are a big deal. I, I think about my first car. It was a 1980 Ford Fiesta. It was little. It was blue. But it got 40 miles to the gallon. And I love driving that car because it was economical. It was paid for. And uh, I, I was just more concerned about uh, the, the, the use of my money than I was about the beauty of my car. And so I drove that car through high school. And uh, then I sold it. And I bought something that looked a little bit better. And I was grateful for that as well. But there's something about your first car. There's great excitement. When we had our first child, I remember when Mariah was born, I was so excited about her and how she was born. And and, uh, and, and the gift that she was to us. And I remember the first time she called me Dada. Man, my heart melted, and I thought, uh, whatever you want, honey, up to half my kingdom, it belongs to you. And there's something that's in the heart of a dad for his daughter. How many know what I'm talking about? I remember the first time my son took a step. I remember the first house that I bought. I remember a lot of firsts. And this weekend, we've been talking about firsts. We've been talking about uh, the, the first years of the establishment of this church and the digging of the well. And I want to tell you that this is like uh, the first of a new era. As, we, as we've come back and redug this well, and we've been looking at the prophetic ministry in the church, I believe we're looking somewhere into the heart of God because a lot of times what he wants to do in the future has a lot to do with what he said in the first and what he did in the beginning. If you look in the book of Genesis, God said, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form, and it was void, and darkness was over the face of the water. And I read about that, and I realize that God is the master at hovering over things that are without form and things that are void, things that don't have a visible purpose to them. God spends time hovering over them because he has vision and he has purpose. And we learn this when we look at the way that God dealt with humanity at the first. And when we look at the first, we realize God brings order out of chaos. God brings things to life that don't have life. God creates things out of something and even creates things out of nothing. And then he establishes establishes purpose in them. And so all weekend long, we've been considering the first, the first idea that God would have as this church was established. We've been talking about the fact that in the beginning, God said some things to this church. And we've been talking about the fact that God says things not only to churches, but he says things to individuals. God said to Adam and Eve in the beginning, be fruitful and multiply. God said to Adam and Eve in the beginning at the first that he wanted them to take really his glory in that garden and cover the entire earth with it. And I realized something about God in the first, that God never leaves us where we are. God takes things that are not and he turns them into something. God takes things in their present state and he likes to move them into a state that I want to call beyond where you are. There is something that God wants to do, and it's in the root system of the church. It was there in the first, and I want to tell you today, it wasn't just in the first of this church. It was in the first of the scriptures. It was in the first of creation. It was first in the heart of God for you, and so if you'll go revisit that well, the Lord will take you from where you are into a place beyond where you are today. Now, I want to go to Ephesians, and I want to really dial into chapter 3, because it is like a pinnacle verse of the Bible. 
It tells us a lot about God's heart towards the church, and uh, it gives us a lot of insight into how God wants to take people into a place beyond where they are. But before I read chapter 3, verse 14 to 21, which is a larger portion of Scripture, I want to give you a little context to the first three chapters of Ephesians. Paul's writing to a church that is a local church in a city. It would probably be a lot like this, although it was a a very large congregation in the city of Ephesus. And Paul was writing to them because he wanted to ensure some things that had been spoken at the first. Everybody say the first. There were some things that he laid into the foundations of the church that he wanted to make sure that existed because there were some teachers and some traveling prophets and some leaders who who had influence in the church and over time were teaching things that had the potential of knocking the church off track. And so Paul wanted to write to deal with doctrinal error concerning Christ. And so he opens up in chapter 1, and he deals with a, a fairly dramatic introductory account to what was taught in the beginning, and he uses these amazing words. He uses words like redemption and spiritual blessings and riches of his grace and the mystery of his will and the promised Holy Spirit and predestined for purpose. He uses these concepts that were significant. And for the listener, he was taking them back to the beginning. He was taking them back to how the church was founded, and he was establishing truths back into the body again. And and the apex of his introduction is the gathering together of the individual parts of the body into the unified placement within the church. And he says all of these things work themselves together in the fact that God has unified all of the individual parts. He's, He's redeemed you and he's called you according to his purpose and He's worked out his plan of salvation in your life, and now he's drawn you together in this thing called the church. And this becomes kind of the pinnacle of the first truths that Paul is laying out to the church. And he's telling them, look, the the world's chaotic. It's out of sync. There's some things that are out of order, and there's division everywhere, and there's actually fragmentation in the heart of man. But I want to tell you that in the kingdom of God, there's no fragmentation. God is actually working through Christ to bring all things together into one unified body. It's called the church of Jesus Christ, and and, and this church is the central fact of his will. It is his purpose, and he's bringing them back to the first. He's bringing them back to the beginning. When you read all of this, you realize that what he's telling them is that Christ and his church are the hope of the world. That's that's ultimately what we could say chapters 1, 2, and 3 really focus in on. If I could label chapter 1, 2, and 3 with any particular overarching statement, I, I would say this. I would say Paul's trying to help the church to think right. Everybody say think right. He's trying to help them think right doctrinally, positionally, relationally. He's trying to help them get their mindset in order by revisiting truths that he put into the church in the beginning. Well, then there's the final three chapters, six chapters in the book. And so Paul teaches on order and government in the church, the family, relationships, how to stay spiritually strong. And he's actually unfolding the outworking of chapters 1, 2, and 3. Chapters 1, 2, and 3 are about thinking right according to first principles. Chapters 4, 5, and 6 are about living right. Everybody say live right. So we've got two divisions in the book. We've got thinking right and living right. And if you're not careful, you'll actually reduce Christianity down to those two ideas. I need to think right 
and I need to live right. And so the church then becomes the source of self-help strategies. I come to church and I hear thoughts that I aspire to live out in my life. And I reduce it all the way down to my capacity to hear thoughts and go work them out in my individual life. But can I tell you that we don't serve a God who, who wants you simply to think right and act right. He wants to absolutely transform you on the inside. There's a dimension that's beyond your ability to think natural thoughts that he wants to take you into. There's a lifestyle that he wants you to live that's beyond your natural capacity to live. Order and government in the church, as he writes about, doesn't happen without some kind of right thought. But we don't want to just be a church that thinks right and structures right. There's a whole other component that Paul unpacks right in the middle of Ephesians chapter 3. And he said, look, church, I worked this in you at the beginning, and I don't want you to forget in all of your thinking right and living right that there's a whole other component to how the church should live, and I want to take you back. I want to take you to your root. I want to take you to your source. And it's a source that's beyond your natural capacity and ability. Listen to what he said to the church in Ephesians chapter 3. Verse 14, I'm going to put it on the screen. It says, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Now to him who's able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Paul says, I don't want you to just think right and I don't want you to just live right. I want you to be filled up with the glory and the power of God so that you bring a message to a generation that's in desperate need of transformation. And they don't need somebody to give them a better idea. They need somebody to give them the original idea. They don't need somebody to take them to a well. They need somebody to take them to the well. There's something about the center point of this book that if I could summarize it, it would be something like this. We need to think right and we need to live right. Church, don't forget these simple truths. Doctrine is important. But I've asked you as a church to step into a new dimension that's beyond your capacity. It's beyond your ability. It's beyond human understanding. It's to move from temporal to eternal, from natural to supernatural, from earthly to heavenly, from stuck to unstuck. And the only way that you're going to get there is through an encounter with God. Paul's bringing the church back to how he planted them. He's bringing the church back to how he initiated this whole thing. 
And if I could say anything to you, Horizon Church, it would be this simple statement that I'm going to put on the screen. It's, it's, it's in order to move beyond where you are. If you just put this up there, I've got to surrender to God. I've got to encounter his presence. And I've come, got to come to a point as an individual follower of Jesus where I begin to ask and think thoughts that are beyond my natural ability. If I could paint a picture this way, there's a, a doorway into destiny that God has for this church and for you individually. That's what prophetic ministry is all about. We've been hearing about God's thoughts towards you as a people. We've been listening to what the Spirit of God would say to the church, and as we've been listening, we've been hearing thoughts and intents and ideas that God would have for this church. But there's a doorway of access that we've got to move into that space beyond where we are to access the prophetic image and picture that God really has for us. The only way to get there is to open the door and move into it. How do we open the door? Is it simply by thinking right? Can I tell you that I spent a lot of years in my relationship with Christ making sure that I had right doctrine and right thoughts? And even as a pastor, to make sure I had the church structured right and leadership in order. And what I found was I had an ability to think right and I had an ability to live right. But there are some things in the kingdom of God that you don't have the ability to do. And it's that door of the supernatural that we need to begin to access and gain entrance to. We need to begin to swing the door wide open and say, in order to get into the space God has for me, in order to respond to the prophetic word, I've got to step through a door that takes me to a place beyond where I could ever think or live right on my own. What God said in the beginning is he said, let there be light, and there was light. He brought something out of nothing. That realm of supernatural activity where cancer is healed and nations are one for Christ and B.C. has an outbreak of revival where lost people are saved by the hundreds. The only way that we gain access into a life that's beyond is by encountering, by surrendering, and by asking God to do what only he can do. If we could take a minute and talk about surrender. There's something that honestly, just in my own life, over the last number of years, the Lord's been working out in me. Uh, my wife and I planted a church in 1997. We'd been married for one year, and it was either the dumbest thing we ever did or the smartest. I'm not, I'm not sure which, but we moved 90 miles away from our sending church, and we opened up the doors of a church, and I never really looked back. I, I didn't have a plan B. I really believed that God was going to do this thing, and we had some prophetic words and some promises, and we preached, and we taught, and we lived right, and we structured right, and we sought God for supernatural things, and we lived a lifestyle of miracles. We absolutely lived a lifestyle of miracles. But at key seasons in the church, the Lord asked us to surrender our rights to ownership. Our, the Lord asked us to surrender certain thoughts that we had about the way that things should go. And our own naturalized moments of relinquishing ownership, if I could define the word surrender to you, I would say that the Lord asks us in moments to surrender ownership and relinquish our rights to own anything in his kingdom. It all ultimately belongs to him. One particular day, I'd gone to bed, and I knew it was raining hard, and I knew there were threats of a flood in our area. We had lived there for 10 years and built a church that was pressing 400 people at the time. And 
We bought a large warehouse. We had just remodeled it. We had a celebration service where hundreds of people were gathered, and my spiritual fathers were there, and it was an amazing night of God's presence and his stamp of approval, and it was a matter of one week later. I went to bed at night, and I knew it was raining. I knew there was a threat of flooding, but as I woke up at 2 o'clock in the morning, my phone was ringing, and I went and answered the phone. And it was an elder from our church. He said, Daryl, you're not going to believe it, but I'm in a rowboat. <laughs> and I'm looking through the windows of the church, and I see the pulpit sticking up, up out of the water. And he said, I rode by your office. This is what he said, I rode by your office. Those are not statements that kind of connect mentally when you're in the middle of the night, let alone if he said it to me today. I just, it doesn't fit. He said, I rode by your office, your, your computer's sitting on your desk. I said, can you row back over there and just get my computer? That night, over four feet of water went through our facility and took everything from us, everything. I remember sitting in my living room, and I, I, couldn't, I couldn't even get to the building, and I felt the Lord ask me, who, who owns all of this? Who owns all of this? You see, when I think right, and I live right, and I... I make a plan for my kids, and I make a plan for where I'll live, and, and I'll make a plan for how God will, will work in my life. And I, I hear a prophetic word, and, 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 and then I interpret it according to what I think God's going to do in my life. And I begin to hold on to my rights. And God, you said to me, when we run into a tough time in a fallen world, and we don't know how to think right, I watch people shipwreck over prophetic words and moments. But can I tell you? Church, that every individual, if you're going to serve God and go into a dimension beyond where you are, there's going to come a moment where you have to surrender again your rights to own or dictate or direct what it is you think the Lord should do with your life. This is what Paul said to the church. He said, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. He, he talks about posture and paternity. A posture of surrender is one of humility. I, I don't own anything. I, I don't have any rights. It's a posture that bends and moves towards the Lord. God, I don't understand what you're doing in this flood, but I'm going to move towards you. Can I tell you that what the prophetic atmosphere does in a church is it stirs the church to move into the dimension beyond. To go through a door, you've got to move towards the door. What Paul said is, I bend my posture constantly towards the Lord. If you're going to renew the roots of the church and if you're going to move into destiny, the entire church has to lean in in this season. Can I, can I just ask you to lean forward in your seat right now? Just lean into the purpose of God. Just lean into what it is God is saying in this hour. Can I tell you, I listened to Pastor Craig to your message last week on Big Church. I'm telling you, what God is saying through your pastor right now is prophetic. It's insightful. There's something that God is saying to you to revisit Acts chapter 2 and to rekindle what it is God is saying. It is time, church, to lean in. It is time to press in. It is time to run towards the door of beyond. Come on. I see this morning. I see this room with twice as many people in it. I see this room in multiple services. I see buildings in other locations that have the Horizon Church label over them. 
them. But the only way that happens is when the church presses in with a heart of surrender that says, God, I don't want to talk about how I think. I want to talk about how you think. And I don't want to talk about how I live. I want to talk about how you want me to live. God, would you move me into a dimension that's beyond where I am today? A posture. But not just a posture. He talks about paternity. He said here that Paul was saying that his life's origin is in God. He said the whole family in heaven on earth is named by God himself. The world around us looks to all kinds of sources for identity. The church that moves into a dimension beyond where you are is a church that realizes your identity does not come from the labels that this world puts upon you or the label of a denomination or the label of a particular church. It comes because you're first and foremost a child of the king. And as you realize that you've been called by God, and that's one of the beauties of prophetic ministry, as God speaks over an individual, you realize that God has many faceted, multifaceted plans for individuals. God knows the hairs on your head, and he's thinking about you, and he cares about you. Surrender goes to the source, and the source is really about who I was created to be. When I think about my identity, Patrick's Daughters has an amazing song about identity and realizing that you've been named by a name that's higher than any earthly name. This weekend, I've watched the Lord stir in the hearts of individuals about his identity for them. And when I begin to surrender, I I begin to say, Lord, I'm going to give up the label that I have even adopted for my life. I, I remember the day that the Lord began to speak to my wife and I about surrendering our ownership of our church to return to the church that we were planted from. And I remember surrendering the right of that, and it was a layered process in realizing that ultimately my identity is not found in my position of leadership, even though I want to think right and live right, and I want to be placed where he wants, and I want to function where he wants. The reality is my identity is first and foremost in my relationship with him. I'm a child of God. I'm called of God. And so if God wants me to be the custodian, if God wants me to set up and tear down, if if God wants to send me to the nations, if God wants me to become an engineer, if God wants me to work in, in retail, whatever it is God wants me to do, I am his. And so I will surrender to him everything. And that's what surrender looks like, why would I surrender to him? I surrender because he is beyond limitation. I want you to hear this. He says in Ephesians 3 that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. Sometimes we struggle with surrender because we actually believe that in surrendering we're, we're giving over something that's better than what we'll get. There are three times in my life, church, I, I, I can just sense today the Lord's asking something from this congregation. There are three times in my life the Lord's asked me to give everything that we have. Everything. The first time we didn't have anything, so it was easy. <laughs> Brand new married, give everything, Daryl, plant this church. I remember giving everything that I had to surrender to something larger than myself. And in that process of surrender, what I actually did is reconnected myself to a God who's without limitation. 
This is what surrender does. When you reconnect to your original identity and you go back to the first and you're named by the one who created you in the beginning, you actually retap into supply that is beyond limitation. He has capacity that's beyond you. If you took my, my bank card and went and put it into an ATM machine and tried to withdraw money, you would find that there would be an end to what you could withdraw. But can I tell you that in this particular instance, this scripture that Paul is taking the church back to in the beginning, he's telling them that there is an inexhaustible supply of riches that's available in God. When I have a little, he owns everything. When I can't recover from sickness, he has an inexhaustible supply of health. It's a bank account that never runs dry. It's a capacity that is limitless. Sometimes we limit God's supply because we lack, and then we lay claim to supply that we can't see. We actually begin to think, I know where the supply should come from, so I'm going to lay claim to that supply, when in reality, God would have a different supply, a better supply, and what he's asking for is surrender. If we'd surrender, we'd actually reconnect to a flow that never stops. Sometimes when a flow stops, we need to look for a new source. Can I say it again? Sometimes when the flow stops, we need to look to a new source. Look at what verse 20 says. Just flip to the next slide. Now to him who's able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we ask or think. I love the word beyond, and this is what I want to put into your hearts today. It means outside the borders and limitations. Outside the borders and limitations. I remember that night after the flood in our church and losing everything. I, I got it. The water started to recede and my wife and I got into a little flatbed pickup that I had and we, we drove to the church. I drove up to it and the water was still around it and I I had boots on, so I walked in through it, and I realized it's, it's, it's just, it's gone. Everything is gone. And we made a decision standing in the water that day that we would surrender it all to the Lord. It all belonged to him anyway. And Lord, I'm going to reconnect to your supply, and you're going to do something that is outside the borders and limits of our capacity. And can I tell you that that moment of decision is the moment that you walk through a door. You walk through a door into territory that you would never access in all of your thinking right and structuring right. You would never access it apart from that moment of surrender. When you make that decision to surrender your prodigal child to the Lord, when you make that decision to surrender your business to the Lord, when you make a decision to surrender the real estate deal to the Lord and say, for all of my thinking and planning, Lord, you have got to intervene. I cannot do this. God, I submit it to you. God, I want to follow your will, and I want to follow your purpose. You actually come into a, a dimension that has no limits, it has no borders, and only God himself can function in that space. If 2018 is going to be that kind of a year, if 2019, 2020, it's going to take an entire church that re remembers a posture and their paternity and realizing that as you lean in, you're serving a God who's beyond limitation and not only beyond limitation, a God who is beyond able, a God who is beyond able. Listen to this, Ephesians 3.20, I'll just read it again now to him who is able. <laughs> 
He is able. He is able. Have you ever felt unable, without capacity to move into the new? It's beyond your thinking, and it's beyond your living. God, I don't know how to get there. God, I don't know how you're going to do it. I remember making that decision. God, I don't know how you're going to restore. I don't know how you're going to move us into the future. We have nothing. But God, you've got everything. And I remember in that place wondering what the Lord was going to do. We finally met that night. And, but before we met, I, I told my wife, I'm a, I, I want a cup of coffee. And so we found a little... Uh, drive through coffee shop that was open, and I pulled my flatbed truck up next to it, and I pulled a little too close, and the side of my truck ripped a piece of siding off of the, the side of the little coffee shop. And my wife said, what are you doing? I said, nothing matters anymore. Nothing matters. Like, it just... <laughs> so I put the truck in reverse, and, and it was a... Is a it was a mid-60s Chevy truck that had no power steering, and I put it in reverse, and I tried to back up, and I jerked the wheel too far too fast, and the front bumper caught the front uh, of the building, and, and there was an electrical panel on it, and I ripped the electrical panel off the side of the building, and the only coffee shop that was open in town had to shut down that day because they had no... <laughs> now, you're talking about a bad day going really, really, really bad. My wife's screaming, what are you doing? You are destroying our lives. <laughs> I called the power company. It was the middle of the day. I said, hey, I just tore this building apart. Would you come down here, restore power? And she said, sir, do you have any idea what's happened to our community in the last 24 hours? I said, yes, I know exactly what's happened to our community. She said, she said, we won't get out there for two weeks. Just, just tell them we'll get out there as soon as we can. <laughs> I no longer had a church. I didn't even have a cup of coffee. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I, I was sitting there. I could not believe what was happening. I pulled up to the side of the driveway, and I said, God, I just, I just need you. I just need you. And a guy from the power company pulled into the driveway. He said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fix this today. I'm going to take care of this today. I said, the lady told me it would be two weeks. She said, yeah, don't worry about the, what the lady says. I'm, I'm here to fix this. I have no idea how that guy got there. I have no idea how it, literally in moments he even knew there was a problem there. But he fixed and restored power to that location in that moment. And it was a sign and it was a token to me that I serve a God who's above and beyond my own capacity, my own brokenness, my own neediness. What I didn't tell you is I was sitting at the side of the road mourning the loss of my coffee and my church. The owner came up and tapped on my door. He said, you're going to owe me for everything that I cannot sell over the next two weeks. It was moments after that the guy pulled in and fixed the power. I'm here to tell you the Lord not only pours in from the top, he fixes from the bottom. He, 
he, he'll surround you on every side because he is beyond able. I don't know how he does it. I don't know how he works through an electrician that doesn't even know the Lord. I don't know how he works through civil authority. I don't know how he works through the media and through the arts. I don't know how he works through the business community, but he does. He is over all things. He's above all things. He works all things together for good for those who love him and those who are called according to his purpose. When he says he is beyond able, it is a Greek word that Paul reaches into history. He tries to grab hold of and he tries to describe something that is absolutely indescribable. It is outside of his ability to put words upon it. So he, he uses a word that means outside of limitation and best in quality and quantity. Can I tell you that when the Lord speaks to an individual about their destiny and their purpose, he is thinking quality thoughts and he is thinking a sum of thoughts with excessive quantity. He's thinking about abundance. He's thinking about rejoicing. He's thinking about supply that's beyond your ability to think or to live. He is a God who moves his people out in order to take them in because he is that kind of a God. Now, if we didn't have a God who was that kind of a God, I'd say, church, let's just try to think right, and let's try to live right, and let's hope we can do something good for the community. But I'm here to tell you today, you're a world-shaking church. You're a church that needs to hear the voice of God. Come on, give the Lord a hand for that. You are a world-shaking church. And when Paul wrote to the church, he said he's exceedingly abundantly beyond. He's saying there's a supply that's exhaustless. It's outside of your capacity. And the very last thing that I'll mention to you today, although I have much more I could say, trust me, the reality is our time is coming to an end. He's not only beyond able, he is beyond willing. He is beyond willing. If I could encourage you in any way today, he said to the church, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations, forever and ever. Amen. What it seems like to me is that whatever would bring him glory and whatever would further his cause, he is more than willing to do. When we try to further our own cause or our own agenda, it seems like there's a reduction of supply. <laughs> but when we come to a place of surrender and a willingness to return to paternity, and we realize that, yes, he is here, and he has a, a mission, and he has a purpose and a word for me, and he has capacity, then we have to wonder, is he really willing? Is he really willing? And on some level, this comes back to identity. Do I really believe that I'm a child of God? And do I really believe that in Surrey, British Columbia, the Lord could pour out His Spirit upon all flesh in the 21st century? Do I, do I really believe? And if I believe, am I willing to surrender? Because if I surrender, let me tell you where it'll take you. It'll take you into a place of Holy Spirit encounter. I, I have to ask myself the question is, do I really think He's He's willing. He said, to him be the glory. The, the word glory means to be heavy with honor. It's, it's the manifestation of God that causes you to be unable to speak sometimes. It's, it's the splendor of God and the renown of God. There's a, a sound that begins to come from a people. 
I talked to somebody the other day, and they said, I, I was with your kids, and they were talking about you. <laughs> they were telling funny stories. And they said as they were telling funny stories, kind of telling on you a little bit, and some of the things that you do in your home life and everything, they, they said every one of them individually said, man, we love our dad. And I'll tell you as a dad, when I hear my kids expressing my glory, it does something to my heart. There's a glory of a father. He's on his sons and his daughters. And when they share that, and there's renown and a sound that begins to emerge from that, you know what I want to do? I want to pour more out upon them because I'm willing. I'm willing because it's on my kids, and I want to share more and more and more. Can I tell you the pathway to glory for this church is for people to remember their paternity and change their posture? And when they change their posture and begin to lean in, you reattach to a source that's without end of supply. And when you attach to that source, you find a God who's willing to keep paying the bills and pouring out of his spirit because glory comes back to his name. And when you get into that space, you begin to encounter the presence of God in a fresh way. And he moves you from glory to glory. He moves you into a dimension that's beyond what you could ever experience on your own. Can I tell you, church, where you're going is a place beyond. It's going to take the whole church to get there. A team, a, a Horizon Church family that every one of us is not looking to Pastor Craig or Shanda for identity or looking to the Lord for identity. And together you realize he's placed you in a body because to think right is to have accurate doctrine and view of the church and be placed in the church. This is the whole context of what Paul's saying. So in the church, God's going to receive glory. So as I come and we all together lean in and surrender, we have a God who's beyond able and beyond willing to pour out upon you. I want to ask you one simple question today. How many want... And would even say, Daryl, I'll change my posture for God to move in the 21st century. I'm, I'm going to change my posture. I'm going to lean in in this season. Can I tell you, it's got to affect your spirit. It's got to affect your mindset. It's got to affect your position. It's got to affect how you carry yourself. Every one of us. I want you to stand to your feet with me if you would today. And I want to pray for two things. The very first thing I want to pray for is if you're here today and you do not know the Lord Jesus as your Savior, I think it would be an amazing thing for you today in this atmosphere to simply respond to Him and realize that He created you. He has intentional design for you. And not only does He have intentional design, He's got the ability to save you from your sins and heal your life and sever all past things that would attempt to weigh you down and pull you down. He has the ability and he is more than willing today to forgive you of your sins. And when he forgives you, he adds you to a family. And here in this house today, it would be amazing if you would not only surrender to him, but allow him to add you to his family. If you're here today and you don't know the Lord Jesus as your Savior, I 
I would be honored if you would simply respond to him by lifting your hand and say, Daryl, today in this place, with, without any fear, without any hesitation or reservation, I simply say, today's my day. I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I want him to forgive me of my sins, and I want to become part of God's family. If that's you today, would you just lift your hand so I can see you? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to make you ashamed. I'm just simply going to pray with you. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? Come on, I want to pray for you. I'm looking around the room. I see your hand. Thank you. Come on, anybody else, just raise your hand. Just raise your hand so I can see you. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Hands in multiple places across the room. Anybody else? Come on, church, pray this simple prayer with me. Lord Jesus, come on, would you pray this with me? Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my life. Would you forgive me of my sins? Would you cleanse me? Make my life new, Jesus. I want to surrender everything to you. <laughs> so God, change my life. I give everything to you in Jesus' name. Come on, church, would you give these that raised their hand today a big hand? What an amazing, amazing thing. Come on, that's the win right there. That's the win. That's why we exist. Come on, for everybody else, if in this season you'd say, Daryl, I, I want to come up to a little higher level of my surrender. I want to move beyond. I want to get into a space that's beyond my own thinking, my own capacity. I want to move into the purpose of God in this season. Just lift your hands to the Lord. I want to pray for you today. Lord, I thank you for this amazing congregation of people. I thank you for their heart's response. I thank you for their willingness to step up in this hour and to hear the voice of the Lord and to hear Paul's words even to a local church family that are so applicable today to this community of believers. I pray, God, for a stirring. I pray that you put in an auger of the Holy Spirit and begin to churn this congregation into a realm that's beyond where they are today. Father, I pray for the realm of the miraculous to be released. I pray for the realm, God, of destiny and purpose and worship and praise and intercession and evangelism and pastoral care. God, I pray for the apostolic work of this church to be extended and expanded. Lord, stir this congregation in this season to a whole new level in you, to a level that's beyond and outside of limitation, and we thank you for it in Jesus name and everybody said amen and amen